Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Food bloggers, hey, are you looking for new ways to make money as a blogger? If so, we have got your back. We have launched an ebook called Conversations on Monetization. Inside this resource, we take your favorite podcast episodes about monetization and we put them all in one easy, accessible package. We threw a few exclusive interviews in as well. Friends, there are so many ways to monetize your food blog. Inside this ebook, we have interviews with success stories like Todd Bullock, Alyssa Brantley, Kelly McNellis, Jenna Carlin, and more. All of these examples have become successful through completely different monetization strategies. Whether you are a brand new blogger looking for your very first revenue stream, or you are a seasoned pro wanting to diversify, this ebook is for you. Go to eatblogtalk.com to grab your copy, and we can't wait to hear your success story with monetization. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to Eat Blog Talk. This podcast is for you, food bloggers wanting value and clarity to help you find greater success in your business. Today, I am super excited to get some time with Megan Horowitz from shortgirltallorder.com. And we are going to have a super fun discussion about taking big blogging risks for big rewards. Megan began Short Girl Tall Order in 2018 after finding out about an egg intolerance and wanting to expand into more plant-based and vegan cooking. Coming from a mixed diet household, her goal has always been to inspire others to have fun cooking plant-based food that is delicious, easy, and occasionally indulgent. Megan is pursuing Short Girl Tall Order full-time and has grown her blog by over 500% in her first year full-time. That is awesome, Megan. I'm super excited to talk to you about this. But first, we want to hear your fun fact. Yeah, um, I'm super excited to be here too. So thanks for having me. Um, So with my fun fact, I actually asked all my friends and a lot of the things that they came up with kind of came back to uh, this fun fact that I actually studied abroad back way back when in high school in Italy um, one summer and went to a cooking school there for about a week and lived with a host family. But I think the funny thing that kind of came from that trip is I actually took a bunch of photos on that trip too and won an award for one of them. So obviously it was just a high school award, but coming back from that trip, my mom was like, you should really be a food photographer and, you know, really pursue this. And obviously I ignored her being the defiant high schooler I was. But I think it's really cool just to see that, you know, things have kind of come around full turn and now I'm doing this full time. Oh, I love that story. (laughs) So what was the photo of? It was actually not a food. It was, um, I was on, uh, in Venice. And so it's on the gondola rides, kind of like a scenic photo. That's awesome. You should have that on your blog somewhere. Like, (laughs) The first indication that I was going to be a creative or something. Yeah, I definitely should. It's hanging up in our house. So I think my mom treasures it still. But I just think it's kind of sweet to know that 
Well, I should have listened, I guess, but I've also learned a lot of things since then, too. Yes. <laughs> Moms know, right? <laughs> yes. I love it. Well, we we are going to talk today about taking big leaps in blogging, but also being really patient with blogging because both of those things can seem really scary and overwhelming. Um, there are a lot of bloggers that we all know that go on these long blogging journeys. And I think for newer bloggers, thinking about how long it takes and how much work is involved, that can be something that just stops them in their tracks. So hopefully this discussion today will help bloggers just kind of get past those fears and dig into it. Um, because it can be really rewarding, right? I would love it if you shared with us about how you decided to quit your job and start blogging full time. Will you talk us through that journey, Megan? Yeah, of course. So as you kind of mentioned in my bio, I started um, my blog in February 2018. And honestly, it was just for fun. At the time, I had found out about an egg intolerance. And I've been a vegetarian over 10 years at this point. So I had not eaten meat in a while, but eggs were a huge part of my diet. And basically, I had to adapt a lot of different recipes and favorites and decided to kind of document that thanks to my family and friends, like really pushing me to do that finally. <laughs> um, and so in that first year, honestly, just kind of did it for fun, was mostly active on Instagram and didn't really know what I was doing with my blog. But I did get a DSLR camera from the beginning and, you know, was just kind of having fun. So late 2018, I actually got contacted by a brand to do a recipe for their blog. And that felt pretty surreal at the time because I, you know, had not gotten paid for anything before and was really new to this. And at that point, I really, I think that was kind of a turning point for me where I started to see the potential like, oh, could I do this full time, even though it really I got paid just the amount to cover groceries, but it felt like a big deal. And so I actually signed up for photography school. I'm not sure if other people have mentioned that on your podcast before, but it's great program for beginner photographers. And that really helped me learn how to like, understand composition and gain confidence. To the point where then in 2019, I really decided to take it more seriously. And that year, I really focused a lot on client work. So my blog was still really not getting a ton of traction just because I didn't really know what I was doing and um, really focused on building recipes and taking photos for brands. And the turning point for me, I actually wrote a whole blog post about it in um, my one year uh or my two year anniversary, but in November, 2019, I really kind of hit a wall. I was working at my technical recruiting job every day, blogging every weekend and night, and honestly just experiencing like severe burnout at that point. And yeah, yeah. And I think this is probably a journey that a lot of people face where they're trying to build like a side hustle. And eventually you get to a point where it's a, it's too much. So I really had to make a decision. Do I want to pursue this full time? Or do I really want to just like make it something fun and stop stressing about it so much? And when I really thought about where I saw my life in the next, you know, five to 10 years, I definitely saw myself blogging 
photographing food, writing about food. Obviously, I was super passionate about it. And um, that was really a turning point for me where I started to invest in my blog more. So I joined like all these Facebook groups that kind of um, one of them is called Food Blogger Central. But there's just tons of advice in there from more seasoned experts, I would say, in the blogging community. And so I did a bunch of things. I like took SEO classes. I switched to Big Scoots, which is like a better posting platform. I took Pinning Perfect and really focused on Pinterest and made the decision to quit my job in February 2020. And so, um, yeah, that was basically my journey from November to February of um, November 2019 to February 2020. It was kind of crazy. I don't think I really had a social life at that point, but I was really committed to making it work. And it really paid off because um, I actually got accepted to like a big ad network in February and things have kind of just grown from there this past year. So yeah, it's been an exciting journey. And this past year, even though there's been tons of ups and downs, obviously with the pandemic and, you know, the change that comes with that, it's been a really great experience to do this full time. Oh, that is such a cool story and such a cool journey that you've been through in a relatively short time. I mean, compared to some other bloggers, it takes them a lot longer to get to that point where they just decide to dig in. So I'm just grateful that you talked through that. Thank you for sharing. And I wanted to point out a few things you said that I thought were really cool. Um, when that brand reached out to you, that was just like one little tiny thing. And you even said like you didn't even get paid that much. But that gave you the confidence to really understand that you could do this like you could do this you know yeah so I think for everyone that's going to be different a brand isn't going to reach out to everybody but we all just need to look for those little nuggets that are going to give us the confidence we need to dig in and I love I I love that you were like oh I can do this (laughs) that's so cool they have confidence in me so I should have confidence in myself And then you mentioned also just hitting your wall and deciding it was too much. And then you were committed, you were going to dig in. And so you dug into a few specific things, which is super important for other bloggers to hear because it's not just like, okay, I'm committed. I'm just going to let this happen. You actually have to go out and learn. You have to seek out information. Mm -hmm. And there are a few key things and you hit them right on. So photography very important. Like I would say probably the most important thing because if you want uh, Pinterest traction, you have to have good photos. If you want people to see your thumbnail on Google and actually click, you have to have good photos. So photography, SEO, and web hosting, like three big things right there that you all hit. Um, What Will you say the name of the school again? Was it just photography school? Ah, yeah, foodography. So like food and then got it. Um, foodography. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really helpful. I've had other people mention that. I have not taken that, but uh, I've heard great things about that. And it's from what I hear, like a really good starting point, right? Like if somebody doesn't know how to operate a DSLR, is that right? Yeah. So I did, as I mentioned, I did have a DSLR when I took the course. So I watch, I think they actually have a course, which I haven't taken for people who are interested in shooting um, photos on their phones. But I specifically 
took the course focused more on learning how to like edit in Lightroom. And it definitely taught me a lot about um, how to shoot in uh, manual and also, you know, just learning about like f-stop and the different basics that you really need to know to work your camera. And I think the biggest thing for me was that Lightroom editing and composition, just because I had no idea what I was doing when it came to that before that course. Just learning from the experts is really valuable, especially if you're coming in and not knowing anything about a certain topic like SEO too. That can be super overwhelming, even to seasoned bloggers. So learning from the people who actually know what they're doing is super, it's scary, but very valuable. So I think you did that just the right way. So what are some of the strategies you implemented that you feel helped to set you up for success? Yeah, so I think you honestly hit on a big one, which was really just focusing on photography. Um, Before my blog got to a point where it was earning income uh, from ads or anything like that, I was able to really build up my freelance work and feel confident enough to be making income on the side that I could quit my job. Um, and like you said too, I, I still think a huge reason why I was able to have that growth and success is because of Pinterest. Um, in fact, I know it's because of Pinterest because Pinterest is still my number one source of traffic. And I think a big reason for that is, you know, taking those food photos that are kind of like drool worthy and really make people want to click and and see that recipe. So that was definitely my biggest push. I took um, the course Pinning Perfect. I was recommended it from another food blogger and it honestly changed my whole perspective on Pinterest. And Pinterest has gone through so many changes even since I've taken that course. But I think the really good thing about that course is that they actually do update it every, I think it's every year, but it might even be more frequently than that. So there's constantly new information and new strategies being given to you. And um, at this point, I've kind of adapted my own Pinterest strategy that works best for my um, audience and just for the types of pins that I'm making. But it taught me so much about how to like write SEO for Pinterest and also how to set up a good strategy and pin the correct amount and honestly how to make good pins in the first place too. So Pinterest was like a huge way that I found success. Um, And I think for me, the biggest thing, like you also mentioned, even though it might've been quick, I really did try to focus on one thing at a time. So my first year food photography was really a big part of how I grew my blog um, and my audience. And then after that, it was really focusing on like Pinterest and then SEO. And now I'm focusing more on, okay, how do I learn video and do some stuff there since that's becoming a much bigger um, focus for, I think, not only a lot of brands, but also just for people who want to learn via video. So there's always something that you can learn as a vlogger, but I think if you try to tackle it all at once, it's just going to be overwhelming. So um Yeah. So my strategy has always been, okay, I'm going to focus on this, master it to a certain extent, and um, then move on to the next thing and go from there. That is super smart because all of it together is too much. (laughs) If you look at it all on paper, you're like, no, thank you. I can't do all of that. And, (laughs) And you can't. You have to do it piece by piece. And it's okay to not be the best at you know, most of the pieces at any given point. 
Um, I think that the photography piece is so overlooked. And I feel like I've been saying this a lot lately. Um, people inside of my membership and inside the eBlog Talk community are like, uh, I want more Pinterest traction. Okay, I'm with you, Megan. So I gained a lot of traction on Pinterest right off the bat when I started blogging. And I still get a lot of Pinterest traffic. And it's because I focused on photography to start. Like that was number one. I have to get my photos to a place where they're really drool worthy, like you said. And I'm not the best food photographer in the world by any means, but I love my photos and I think that people think they look delicious. And that is why people have clicked so many times from Pinterest to my website. It's like a a piece that people put in the wrong spot. Like I should have Pinterest traction, but I don't need great photos and it should not be like that. Like you need the photos first and then you can expect Pinterest traction because Pinterest is all about the photos. So like just reordering that, like, nope, the photos have to be first. And you mentioned this food photography school, which is super easy to go through, right? How long does it take to get through it? Oh gosh, I took it a while ago now, but I think I went through it really quickly because I was so excited, Um, but it was all pre-recorded. So I think I probably got through it all in a month. Okay. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you made tons of progress, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, right after that course, I actually started redoing some of the photos. And so I do have a little, um, before and after that I've shared before of my work before and after that. And even since then, I think it's definitely changed a lot, but it helped me so much. And I think especially learning how to style things so that the focus is on the food, because I think it's easy to get distracted by lots of props or needing, you know, the perfect backdrop or, or something like that. But when it comes down to it, if you really understand like basic food photography composition, you can make lots of different food look great with very minimal um, props. I would say I'm not like a huge prop person. I definitely don't do like these elaborate flat lays, but you don't need all that to have like a successful blog, to have a successful Pinterest. Like you do need um, great images, but the focus is, you know, should be on the food. And so it definitely taught me how to just style food in a better way. And some food bloggers adopt a style that is more elaborate and, you know, they use like really fancy props and backdrops. And I think for those bloggers, that's great to embrace that. But I don't think that is required for everybody. I am such a minimalist when it comes to taking food photos. It takes me such a little amount of time that it's almost embarrassing to talk about. (laughs) And I really do use like really simple minimal props and it works for me and if that works for you then I think you should run with it because it makes it easier it makes life easier (laughs) yeah yeah I mean I definitely admire some of those photographers that can make those more elaborate setups and it's always so so gorgeous but I think maybe that can be daunting to someone who's very new to photography or thinking they need to do that to be successful and at the end of the day, you know, you have to find the style that works for you. I think my style is different than your style, different from, you know, every other blogger style. And you have to be happy with your photos, but figuring out what's going to get people to be excited about your recipes and want to click in and want to cook them is definitely 
you know, a super important part of blogging. If you look at like the really, really powerhouse bloggers sites, there are some that are also really simple, but beautiful. It doesn't have to be that elaborate style in order to be beautiful and eye-catching. And in fact, I think the Pinterest photos that have really, really worked for me over the years have been just like close-up shots of maybe like a cheese pull or like chocolate dripping or something really simple that I've been able to capture, but there's nothing elaborate involved about the photo at all. It's just like, ooh, that's, that looks drippy and delicious. I'm going to click over. So just finding that one little thing that can make your photos really interesting, whether it's a pop of color or like I said, like a chocolate drip or maybe, um, I don't know, sometimes I like putting a splash of color in the background even that just like, oh, that's interesting. But it does not have to be elaborate. You can drool over those bloggers' elaborate setups. And I I have those too, those bloggers that I'm like, oh, that's so gorgeous. Why can't I do that? But that's okay. We don't all have to be like that. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think I've definitely experienced the same thing where sometimes my more elaborate photo shoots, they'll do really well on maybe Instagram or something. But when it comes to Pinterest, the the photos that do best are like bite shots or something really showing like the texture or um, something like you said, a chocolate drip that always does really well. So... <laughs> I was just looking at your site and the um, right when I said chocolate drip, I saw your chocolate bundt cake. So yeah. I pulled that up and you have delicious chocolate drips, Megan. Thank you. <laughs> that is a very pretty photo. Um, okay, so we're talking about photography and how we can leverage that on certain platforms like Pinterest. How can you leverage it overall? Like, What are your thoughts on using photography to just grow your blogging business? Yeah. So I think there's a couple ways you can do that. One is um, freelance work. And then within freelance, there's kind of different categories. So um, one category is doing photography for other bloggers. This is honestly not something I could personally speak to because I kind of never have done that. I, I just decided it wasn't really of interest to me, but I know a lot of other bloggers and photographers who have had a ton of success building their business that way. Um, for me, the way that I really built my photography business outside of my blog was developing recipes for um, different brands' websites and also providing them with the photography. And then there's a third way too, which is there are a lot of brands out there that just have recipes on their sites and maybe they have a photo, but the photo isn't, you know, great or they just took it in house because they don't have they like in the past didn't have the budget to really pay for um, professional photography so you can always offer to just reshoot recipes for brands as well um so I think that that's been one way to grow it and then of course it's really important to grow your own personal channels so I really focused a lot on Instagram and I think having good photography for Instagram is crucial to grow. Um, there's lots of people who have that more minimalist style and have grown a ton or they have more elaborate, like gorgeous setups and, and grown a ton. But I think overall, the photography is really what draws people in. And then a lot of people do stay to follow the person and get to know them and get to know their brand. But that's really how you're going to initially draw people in to be interested in your brand and your recipes. So 
Um, I think that's been a big part too, is growing that social following because that's how you'll get more sponsored partnerships. Um, my personal experience, I don't know if this applies to other bloggers, has been uh, I, I've done sponsored blog posts, but they're definitely um, more far and few compared to like sponsored Instagram posts and sponsored um, just social media posts in general. So I think having that photography has helped me build that audience, which in turn helped me have those sponsored um, posts for my own site. Yeah, photography really can boost so many different parts of your business. And like you mentioned, Megan, whether that is just reaching out to brands to offer improved photography for their sites. How do you recommend doing that? Do you just browse around and find like, oh, that's not the greatest image of chicken Parmesan. I can offer something better and then reach out to them. Or how do you do that? Yeah. So I think I'm probably in a little bit of a unique position where I don't um, cook meat or eggs or anything like that. So I actually just only focus on reaching out to plant-based brands just because it's what I feel comfortable photographing. And I know the food won't go to waste at the end of the day, um, because we'll eat it. But I uh, really have made lists. So a couple of my little hacks, I've gone on to like, Thrive Market or sites like that and tried out different, like plant based products or seen new and up and coming brands. And then I'll try them out and reach out to them actually on Instagram or Facebook. So A lot of times I'll just send them um, a DM saying, hey, this is kind of what I could provide you. I use your products for XX and X and I really enjoy them. Can I send my media kit to someone via email? And so um, then I definitely always want to take the conversation off um, Instagram or Facebook because I personally don't think it's super professional. And also I lose track of my DMs all the time. So I definitely would miss a lot of things. So that's how I've really reached out to brands. And uh, I think a lot of it is just also seeing who your peers are collaborating with as well. Um, A lot of times you can get introduced to new products that way. And I personally have kind of moved away from accepting free product as much unless it's for a potential paid opportunity. But Um, you know, you can always just try that out, especially when you're first starting. Like my first year, I really, you know, I didn't create content for a free product, but I would constantly try new brands and, you know, post like a thank you Instagram story just to really get to know a lot of the brands I knew I would want to work with down the road. So um, I think a lot of it for me really happened through Instagram. So many bloggers say that. That's so interesting because I ignored Instagram for many years thinking it would just maybe go away (laughs) and I wouldn't have to do it. But then I saw the need to do it and actually dig in. So I finally did. I finally got on board, but I was so late to the game. And now in retrospect, I really wish I would have gotten on board so much sooner because opportunities I feel like would have come up for me a lot more quickly. So that's good to hear from you. I like that. And then you um, mentioned like taking a conversation from Instagram or wherever you're initiating it to email. I think that's smart too, because do you do this too? I lose direct messages in Instagram all the time. I'm like, where did that go? And then it's just poof gone. And then there's like the the request for me to, you know, like if someone is not 
that you're not following requests to send you a message. I never look at that. And then like two months later, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I have like 10 requests. And then I'm like, I'm so sorry. So I think it's smart to bring it over to email as soon as you can. But you can find some brands more easily through Instagram, right? Yeah, I think, you know, there's, it depends on the size of the brand. Like for bigger brands, they're not going. The person that you're going to be working with, probably to develop content, isn't going to be the same person that's handling their social media content. But they can at least hopefully give you the email of the correct person or direct you in that way. And so it's definitely a good way to connect with that brand and and find them. So I've had a lot of success just reaching out through Instagram. I have I don't know what other bloggers do as much, but I've not really spent time going to brands' websites and like filling out those like info forms or anything like that. But I have definitely gone to their sites and, you know, looked at their photography or looked at the type of work that they do. And if you see on their website, oh, they're like mentioning other bloggers or, you know, they seem to have like some really professional um, photos with their recipes. Like there's probably a good chance that they're hiring out that work. And it's a good indication that, you know, you could potentially be someone working with them too. So, uh, yeah, I think their website and looking at the recipe section of their website is super helpful to find that info. Let's talk. Okay. Before we talk about your lessons learned, do you have anything else on just kind of photography and how to leverage that? I feel like that kind of covers it for how I've used photography to to grow my business. I think at the end of the day, it's all about finding your style and what's going to excite you. Um, when I first started my photography journey, I kind of did the light and bright style like that uh, almost over, I don't think oversaturated is the word, but overexposed um, image. And I think that that can be really popular, but I've definitely changed my style after that. And, you know, you just have to learn and change and do what works for you. I think photography is something you'll never um, perfect. There's always something to learn. And as long as you have fun with it, then uh, it's always going to be a a good journey. And yeah, I think there's just so many ways you can use photography to to grow your business. And um, that's pretty much the ways I've done it, though is through those different means. That's awesome. Uh, Okay, let's talk about your lessons because you have launched into full-time blogging now. You've been doing it for a year. What are your biggest lessons that you have learned within this first year of being a full-time blogger? Yeah, um, so I think there's a few things. The first is that it kind of aligns with what I was saying before, where tackling one thing at a time, like if you are just one person running a blog, just remember, like, you can't do everything. It's okay to tackle one thing at a time and, um, you know, really master that and move on to something else. And I think the other thing that I really dealt with this year, since I was doing more proactive reach outs and Um, really putting myself out there more is that rejection's going to happen. In fact, I probably get rejected every day from a brand or someone else or who knows. But um, I think it's so important to kind of get used to rejection in a certain sense, not take it too personally. And remember that the right opportunities are always going to be out there. Um, And then the third thing I think that I really learned this year is really to focus on building your community. And it's not about how many followers you have, but it's definitely 
you know, try and build depth with your community. I think one really cool thing that I personally did in this first year, I developed a sugar cookie recipe uh, back in April for like lemon sugar cookies, and it did really well. So I started doing like a sugar cookie of the month um, for my blog. And it's just been a fun way to get people excited. You know, I'm not developing these recipes for SEO. Like if they happen to do well on Google, that's awesome. But I think it's so fun to kind of build this small little, uh, I guess, community of people who love sugar cookies as much as I do and are excited to make them. So um, yeah, just like learning your community, learning what sparks their interest and interacting with them and, and making sure that you're, you know, sharing the recipe creation, recreations of your recipes and, and really having fun with them is definitely going to lead to a more engaged audience. And just, I think you'll probably enjoy it more too, if you're really having those deeper connections with the, the people and the reason why you started your blog in the first place, probably. So those have definitely been a couple of big takeaways. I love those. And yeah, it can be such a lonely job when we are just creating and kicking out content and not getting feedback from people. And if we're not paying attention to what other people are liking that we're creating, then we don't have opportunities to engage with them. So I love that you saw that need or not a need, but like people were enjoying your lemon um uh, sugar cookies. So dive into that, explore it more. Okay, great. You guys are liking this. Let's do a competition, a monthly cookie, whatever. What'd you call it? A monthly <laughs> a sugar cookie of the month. sugar cookie of the month. I love that. So that requires you to actually listen, stop and listen to what your people are telling you. And that could just be as simple as like, you know, your cookie recipe got a lot of extra comments on Instagram. Okay, great. That means they probably liked it. The rejection thing. uh, Yeah, (laughs) definitely something to expect. I've gotten to a place where I am 100% okay with rejection now. But as a new blogger, I remember being so offended, like, oh my gosh, they didn't pick me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've talked to a couple of my other blogging friends that are maybe newer into reaching out for sponsored content and stuff like that. And they're like, is it normal for them to never get back to you? And I was like, yes, sometimes I have to reach out like six times over several months until I even get a response. And, you know, it's, there's definitely, you know, be persistent, obviously, you know, in a professional way, but um, there's, there's tons of opportunities out there. And just because um, someone didn't work with you now or didn't respond to you now doesn't mean that it can't turn into something down the road. And um, unless they're saying like, no, I never want to work with you. Like it's a, it's a potential yes for the future in my opinion. And the rejection I feel like builds up character somehow. It's just like failure turning into more success down the road. Okay, Megan, what would you tell other bloggers who are considering going full-time about income expectations? So when I quit my job, I was not making a full-time income from my blog yet. Um, I quit in February 2020, and I actually didn't get accepted to Mediavine, I think, until March. So that was when I started making ads on my site. Um, which meant I actually didn't get paid for those ads until a few months later, just the way it kind of works. But um, I think it's good to come in with realistic expectations. Like for me, um, obviously making six figures from a blog is 
a goal, but I knew that wasn't going to be my realistic first year. And so I set, you know, a realistic goal and a stretch goal and a plan on how to get there. And a big thing for me was I was in a fortunate position to have a savings account and to have kind of had that safety net where I could grow a little bit more slowly. So that's going to be different for everyone. But one of the biggest things I actually learned about blogging this year and income expectations was expect to make so much of your income in September through December. Um, It very much surprised me. I guess I had always heard that Q4 was was a large time of month where you're going to make Um, more income, but I made about 50% of my income for the year um, during that. And now knowing that, I feel like I have a a really good plan to set myself up for this coming year and have even more realistic expectations. But I think, um, you know, you have to, there's no, (laughs) there's no like chart of what you should charge for things or how much money you should make as a blogger. It's such a open-ended career path. And, um, you know, definitely talk with your peers. I have a lot of blogging friends in the community that have been super open with me about how much they charge for sponsored content or, you know, how much they were realistically making from ads every month. And so that really helped me to set those realistic goals for myself too. And, um, you know, set myself up for success long-term. I think it's not, it's, it's definitely a marathon. You know, when you're creating blog posts, you're creating them for the long-term, they're going to keep making money long-term as long as you're optimizing them for SEO. So, um, it's definitely something that your income will kind of naturally grow over time and yeah, just kind of do your research and talk to other people in the community to learn about those realistic expectations. I love all of that. You mentioned a really great point, which is collaborating with your peers. Find mm-hmm. a circle of people that do the same thing you do that you really trust that you can bounce ideas off of because otherwise you have no idea what yeah. to expect. Like you said, you came into Q4 and you were like, oh my gosh, this is a lot more money than I'm used to. And just things like that are good to know going into it so you're not blindsided. And then like doing brand work, uh, work with brands, you, I personally had no idea what kind of rate to propose to a brand. And recently I got approached by a brand and I I was like, I have no idea. So I talked to a circle of bloggers who do work with brands and they knew exactly what to tell me. And I was like, okay, I did not know this before, but thank you. And then I knew what to offer, you know? So it is really valuable to have that circle because you're just kind of shooting in the dark without it. It's so true. I think um, I remember when I was first starting off, even with those first partnerships, I reached out to a couple of bigger bloggers and, you know, I'll, I'll forever be thankful to them for taking the time to, you know, acknowledge me as someone just starting off and helping me out. And I actually did um, pay someone for coaching as well, who sat down with me and had those conversations. And I think, you know, that's a really good option for people too. If they really feel uncertain or they're nervous about reaching out to them, like there are tons of business coaches out there. There's lots of different, like the photography school, like I mentioned before, they do give you some like basic um, pricing advice and stuff like that when you're first starting out. And eventually, you know, you have to charge what you think you're worth and 
also, you know, what the market is giving you, but especially when you're first starting out, like reaching out to other bloggers is always a good idea. And they might not be able to give you like the perfect number. You kind of have to decide that for yourself, but they can at least give you some guidance. And then speaking to the revenue in Q4, this is a good reason to diversify and to do things like what you were talking about earlier with maybe using photography to reach out to a brand or finding other ways to earn money outside of ad revenue. Because for me, for so many years, I was dependent on that ad revenue. And then summer came and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm broke. What, what are we going to do? And it just got old. After a while, I was like, this this has to stop. So I eventually started finding other ways to make money. And there are so many ways to make money when you're a food blogger. So just like putting on a different lens and seeing that, I think is um, it's hard to do that because we get so focused on the ads, but it's really important. Yeah. And I feel like honestly, I haven't even tapped into some of the resources out there. Like I know there are, um, affiliate marketing. I've done that a little, but I know there are some bloggers having a lot of success doing that, um, or making an ebook and selling that or, you know, creating their own products. So there are just so many ways you can continue to diversify your income. And I, I don't even feel like I've completely tackled any of them. I'm just starting like ads and brand partnerships, but there are so many different ways out there. And like you said before, like everyone's going to be good at something different. Like I really found that Pinterest was a good space for me to grow my blog, but maybe for someone else, eBooks are your thing, or, you know, you're really doing great with affiliate marketing and building up those relationships there. So I think it's going to be different for everyone. And it's, it's awesome that we have all these opportunities to figure out what's going to work for us in our audience. Oh, that is the best quote of the whole interview. That is so true. It is awesome. And we overlook that when we get so hyper-focused on things like, why can't I get onto Mediavine or whatever your struggle is in the moment? But we do have so much opportunity as food bloggers. And sometimes we can look right past that. So thank you for that reminder. Yeah. Um, I would like to know, Megan, where you see yourself in five years. Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, I definitely see myself still blogging. Um, actually, my whole family's on the East Coast. So long-term plan is to move back there. And I've actually always had a dream to open up a bakery of some sort. So I think, <laughs> I know that's probably not an expected answer from a blogger, but I actually get asked quite a, often if I ship or if I deliver some of my cookies and stuff like that. So I think long-term, once I do find that place that we're going to settle down, that would really be my goal. Um, and continue blogging, but yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great answer. I know it's like one of those things too that I've thought about, but down the road, probably not in my very, very near future. But I've just been browsing through some of your recipes as we've been talking and you definitely have some amazing looking desserts on here. Oh my goodness. Cupcakes and cakes and cookies <laughs> and bars and yum. I want all of it. Cinnamon rolls. Yeah. Oh, hungry. I would, I would love to be able to make that. I think a lot of my blogging journey really started from a love of cooking for other people. So I'm so happy with blogging that I can reach more people and basically it's a way to like kind of scale that love, I guess you could say, because everyone can enjoy the recipes that you're enjoying. But I'd love to be able to like actually cook that food for a larger audience. Obviously with COVID right now, it's not 
a very realistic thing to do at this time, but long term, I would love to do that. That's a great answer. What is your number one takeaway for food bloggers who are looking to take that next big leap in their blogging journey? Yeah, I think I maybe this is um, advice other people give, but I think it's just so important to just start. Um, I, there are so many reasons that you can, uh, you know, stop yourself from just putting yourself out there. And obviously it's always going to be scary, but just start, just do it. It doesn't have to be super serious. You know, you're going to look back on your old work. I look back on my old photos and old blog posts and cringe, but I'm also super proud of them because I took the chance to put myself out there and do something when I was super scared. And I think a lot of people are probably hesitating to start something because they think there's not enough room for them in this industry or someone's already done that. But your take on something is going to be unique and you can definitely succeed in this industry. It's, it's brand, it's still brand new. I think, you know, we're what a 10 year old industry. And so uh, maybe, maybe older than that, but not much. Yeah. Uh, So there's so much that hasn't been done yet and there's so much you can do. And Two other things that I kind of wish I had done from the beginning. I wish I had really jumped into SEO from the beginning. And I don't think you need to be an expert, but I didn't even know it really existed. And so my biggest, um, I guess, advice to new bloggers, at least do some research into it. Try and make blog posts for SEO because you'll save yourself a little bit of time in the long run just going back and fixing everything. Um, And I guess don't underestimate Pinterest. It's a great way to grow your blog and a lot of people can have success from it. And it's not all about SEO at the same time. So yeah, hopefully that's that helpful to someone. (laughs) That was great stuff, Megan. This was so valuable. And just thank you so much for being here today and sharing all of this amazing stuff with food bloggers. Before you go, do you have a favorite quote or additional words of inspiration to share? Yeah. So one of my favorite quotes, it probably goes along with everything I said is opportunities don't happen, you create them. And I just think that that's so true for life. Like you're never going to know unless you try. So uh, that's kind of how I try to live my life and try to run my business is, you know, why not try this? If it fails, it fails, but at least I know. And um, I guess my last piece of advice too, would you know, find those people who are going to like be your hype people and surround yourself with them. Uh, I'm so fortunate to have a great group of friends that have pushed me to start my blog and supported me and always try my new recipes. And I think that having that group of people around you is just so important and, you know, try and find your hype people. It's always a good thing to have. So many great nuggets from this episode, this interview. So thank you, Megan, so much for being here. Um, We will put together a show notes page for you and everything we've talked about today will go inside of there. If anyone wants to go look at that, you can find it at eatblogtalk.com forward slash short girl tall order. Megan, tell everyone where they can find you online. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, short girl tall order or at my blog, short girl tall order. Those are probably the places that I'm most often at. Great. Well, thanks again for being here. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. 
If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.